You're listening to a leadership message from Pastor Jurgen Matesius here at Awaken Church. To find out more about us, go to awakenchurch.com. Come with me in your Bibles. Come with me in your Bibles to uh, Genesis chapter 1. This morning I want to just, I really felt like we're doing a new series called Culture Code and I I want to talk about a thriving culture, a thriving culture. If, 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 if we're looking at cultures, then what is the point of building a culture? Well, everything grows or dies in a culture. There are cultures that are hostile to our lives, and then there are cultures that cause our lives to thrive. There are cultures that are hostile. If I was to take you to, to Venezuela right now, where, where there's a scarcity of food, that there was an abundance of resource, but because of corruption, because of deception, because of government mismanagement, people are literally licking the bottoms of trash cans trying to find some type of sustenance and nutrients, people killing each other uh, because of the culture that's being created, the culture that's being created. When when a few weeks ago we, we crossed the border and we uh, were riding ATV vehicles in Baja, and we were right on the most stunning beaches. I mean, that looked like, you know, La Jolla, Del Mar, stunning. And yet you, you could buy land or home there dirt cheap. And it's not because it's not stunning. It's not because it's not beautiful but because in the culture, there's so much corruption that your, your safety and even your, your dollars uh, w- wouldn't be secure. And so it's the same land. It's the same coastline. It, it, it's not like it, when you cross the border, it's a different coast, a different climate, a different land. It's the same soil. It's the same sky. It's the same Pacific Ocean. It's the, the same, and yet there's a, there's a vast drop-off. So in Genesis 1, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. When, when you go to culture, we've got to go all the way back to, to Genesis. God creates the heavens and the earth, and the earth is formless void, and darkness covers the face of the deep. It says, And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. Just, let's just pause there for a second. The Spirit of God was hovering in a place where there was chaos, where it was void, where there was disorder. The Spirit of God was hovering there. So that tells me that if I want to build a church that transforms the chaos in our community, if I want to build a church that that transforms darkness into light, that transforms barrenness into fruitfulness, if if I want to create an environment and an atmosphere where people come in broke, where people come in with dysfunction, where people come in helpless, hopeless, beat down, busted up, then, then I've, the first thing I've got to recognize is I need the Spirit of God. I need the Spirit of God. Nothing grieves me more than to hear of pastors and leaders who, who are so missional in building the church that they actually say, yeah, you know, we don't do that around here. We, we actually... And I'm like, dear God, like the Spirit of God was hovering. It doesn't say the Spirit of God was hiding. The, 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 the Spirit of God was kind of excluded. No, the Spirit of God was hovering, which means that he was, he was present. He was present and he wasn't static. He was dynamic. He was hovering. 
So a thriving culture, there is no life without the Spirit, and there's no Spirit without life. Wherever the Holy Spirit is, He is the Spirit of life. The Bible says, and God breathed into Adam no, Adam's nostrils the, the breath of life, and Adam becomes a living being. When people walk in, the first thing they need is to be born again. That happens through the Holy Ghost. We, we, we are a Holy Spirit church. Now, nowhere does it say, you know, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the water, and weirdness was everywhere. There were people running around with tambourines, wearing tights, three sizes too small for them. Like, it doesn't say that. It doesn't say that people were waving banners and sharing instead of a one-minute Jesus praise report going on for 10 minutes about their little preach and rant and prophesying with. It just says the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the world, which means you can have the Spirit present without weirdness. You can have the Spirit present without weirdness. There's a There's a... You know, I, I want to make sure that, that we never look at our logos, at, at, that we never will look at our buildings, we look at our clever marketing, we look at our, you know, acting, our theater, our productions, and all of those things absolutely have their place and deserve honor and deserve praise. But they should never be elevated in a place where they replace, where, where they replace God. Without God, it's all sounding gongs, clashing cymbals, it's all empty. Unless the Spirit of the Lord is present. The Bible says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There is freedom. And there's a price to pay for the Holy Spirit. You know, He is a person. Quite often you'll hear people refer to Him as it. But nowhere in the Scripture is the Holy Spirit ever referred to as it. He's always Him. Jesus says when He, the Spirit, comes. Jesus says, you know, it's to your advantage that I leave. And they're like, dude, how, how, how is it advantageous for you to leave? Like when we were almost capsizing in that, that boat that they're going to portray in Hero, where the disciples are in the boat, and then Morgan slash Jesus says, peace be still, and everything goes calm. Like, who can do that? Because of you, Peter got out of a boat and walked on water. Because of you, the dead were raised back to life when your best friend Lazarus died, like you kept preaching for four days and then went and raised him up anyway. Like, how is it our advantage that you leave? And basically what Jesus was saying is like, I'm one amongst 12. He says, but when he comes, when he, the Spirit, whom you've heard me tell you about, when he comes, the Father and I will come in him with him and we will be in you, you will be in me. And that day you will know that just as I'm in the Father, you'll be in the Father, we will be in you, and we will dwell together. And He will lead you into all truth. He will remind you of all the things that I said. And He will guide you. He's your helper. The greatest helper in this life is the Holy Spirit. I, I honestly think that probably Satan's greatest deception and the most foolish thing that we can do is for me to think that uh, somehow you don't need the helper of the Holy Spirit. You just need to rock up to church on Sunday and hear my wonderful hermeneutical skill sets. I, I know that I am lost without Him, the beautiful Holy Spirit. And there will be times continually in your life where you 
are out of your pay grade, you are out of your experience, you are out of your education, you are hit a crossroads, you are hit a crisis, you are hit a moment where you don't know what to do. You don't know, do I go left, do I go right? The most beautiful thing is, Jesus says, I will not leave you nor forsake you. I'll be with you even to the end of the age. And that's the Holy Spirit. I found so many times that the beautiful Holy Spirit, my helper, he's there. I was sharing uh, recently that I remember having a, having a, a conversation on the, on the, the highway uh, as I'm driving and the devil was telling me that, that, you know, okay, you know, you've kind of smashed 2,500 people on a Sunday, but you'll never smash 3,000. You'll, you'll never break the 3,000 barrier. And obviously we've exceeded that, but this is a couple of years ago. And I remember, you know, as I'm driving along thinking, well, shoot, okay, why? And the devil says, because you, you don't know how to run a church of 3,000. You don't know what the leadership looks like. You don't know what the structures look like. You don't know. You know, and I'm like, oh, shoot, everything he's saying is right. Everything he's saying is, I got, I got freaking no idea. Man, thanks, Lucifer. Like, you're just, man. You know, and, uh, and then the Holy Spirit goes, Jurgs, you didn't, you didn't know actually how to do 2,000. I'm like, yeah, actually, that's true. He goes, you didn't really know how to do 1,500, did you? I'm like, and he's like, he goes, but when you got here, when you landed here with just your bride, three little boys in suitcases, you didn't know where you were going to meet. People told you you're not going to be able to buy buildings. Just give up on buildings. He says, now you've got buildings. Now you've got people turning up. He says, have I left you? I'm like, no. He goes, I haven't let go of your hand. And he said, they say that leadership is, leadership is lead. You can't lead someone where you haven't been yourself. He said, that's not true. He says, leadership is continually leading people where you haven't gone yet yourself. He says, because I'm going to continue to one, you know, 3,000, 5,000, 10,000, 20,000, 50,000. Like there's no limit if you, if you won't let go of my hand. So the, the beautiful helper, the beautiful Holy Spirit will lead you into all truth. He leads you. Uh, I can't tell you how many times I've sat in, in a meeting and, you know, someone will say something. You know, I was, like I was sitting with um, Colin Higginbottom, you know, the, our Pathfinder boss. And this is like going back probably seven or eight years. And we're, we're sitting in, in Starbucks in Del Mar. And he's like, and you, you know how he gets. He's like, hey, pastor, pastor, pastor. And I'm just, I'm just enjoying a coffee. I'm like, this is cool. You know, I'm having a coffee with Colin. He goes, pastor, pastor. You know, last year, you know, we did eight million in sales. I'm like, man, that's amazing. He goes, yeah, yeah, but. But I just felt like God said, you know, to stop believing for 50 million. He goes, Pastor, how do I get from 8 million to 50 million? And I'm like, why is he asking me? I've never run a $50 million company. And I wanted to say, I got no freaking idea. You haven't got me with the wrong person. And the Holy Spirit, the helper, says to me, tell him it's easy. I'm like, ah, it's easy. And he goes, he looks at me and goes, it's easy? I'm like, yeah, just hang on. It is? And he goes, oh, shit. And, he said, and, and I said, oh, Colin, I said, right now, the house you live in, the car you drive, the car your wife drive, the, the school your kids go to, the lifestyle you have is funded by the vision you have for your house. So right now, you're not, there's no motivation. There's no drive in you 
to go from 8 million to 50 million because there's some pain involved in all enlargement. All growth requires pain. Talk talk to anybody who's uh, doing CrossFit. All growth requires pain. Anybody who's fitness, all growth requires a level of pain. And I said, because of, I said, you need to increase your vision. Right now, you've had a vision for your house. But if you get a vision for his house, if you get a vision for the house of God, you've got a vision for your house in this life. But if you get a vision for his house and eternity, because we're going to be spending a lot more time in eternity than the 80 or 90 years here. And I don't want the 80 or 90 years here to rob me of everywhere I walk on streets of gold in heaven. Well done, good and faithful servant. Well, there, there he is. That's the guy. That's the guy that refused to submit to the culture. That's the guy that refused to live under his environment in that day. Instead, he lived under an open heaven. He lived under an atmosphere. He lived, he lived in unison. He lived in unity. He lived in collaboration with the Spirit of the living God. Man, it was like, it was like the Holy Spirit was unobstructed. He was unfiltered, flowing through. And so, so Colin left, and I think last year he said they did over 50 million. In, in sales, everything shifts when we get a larger vision. But I didn't know that. The Holy Spirit knew that. The Holy Spirit's got all the answers. So the Spirit of God was hovering. We want the Holy Ghost in our church. We want the Holy Ghost. We want people baptized in the Holy Ghost. Tuesday morning at men's prayer up in San Marcos, a whole bunch of people got baptized in the Holy Spirit. There was men getting breakthrough. You need the Holy Spirit. Do, do not believe the lie that you can do church without the Holy Spirit. Somebody say amen. It says, and then God said, let there be light. And there was light. Then God said, then God said, let there be light. So not only was there was there the presence of the Holy Spirit. Not only was the Holy Spirit moving, not only was the Holy Spirit engaged, but with the presence of the Holy Spirit, there was, there was declaration. The Word was spoken. The Word went forth from God's lips. And then light came. When light came, sight follows light. For the human eye to see, light must be present. Every breakthrough in my life has come after the word was spoken. Every breakthrough in my life has come after the word was spoken. I was like most people that that I met when Leanne and I had been married maybe four or five years and fighting all the time, the pressures of ministry, the demands of ministry. And I didn't, I didn't know how to discern, you know, loyalty to the church and loyalty to God and loyalty to the mission and, and what submission looked like. And I was trying to figure it all out. But, but Leanne was the one who was signing the checks at the end of the day because I was robbing from her. I had a boss that believed that the church would grow by uh, you not having any time off or you basically living at the church building and you never leaving. And uh, you, you, were, you were shamed if you left between 5 and 6 p.m., but you were kind of championed if you left, you know, after it was dark, after dinner time was op- over. And so I would leave early and come home late. And I'm married to this beautiful young lady with, with uh, two little boys, and one's a little baby, and, and she just wants time. That's not what she signed up for. And then paid peanuts 
no money to, to, to relieve. And so we're fighting all the time. And then this one night we have this, this massive row and, and Leanne says, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm done. This is not what I signed up for. I want a divorce. This is not what I signed up for. And I'm like, oh, your mom told me not to use the D word. And now you're using it. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to tattletale on you. I'm going to go and tell God. And don't be, don't be afraid if you break out in boils. And uh, so I go, you know, and because uh, I didn't know where else to go. You know, my, my parents were jacked up, and so I couldn't go there. So I start talking to God, and I'm like, and I'm thinking, this is just not, maybe, maybe I got it wrong. Maybe I misheard God or whatever. Or maybe, you know, and I'm throwing Leanne under the bus telling, I can't remember the last time she had a quiet time, just quietly. And not that I was there anyway to see. And, uh, and as clear as anything, the Lord said to me, Jürgen, Leanne's a product of your husbandry. And I'm like, I don't know if I want to hear that. But he just showed me that, oh, if you don't like what you see, Quit pointing the fingers at her. Quit putting burdens on her. Quit demanding she change. Actually turn that finger around and recognize you're the leader. You're the head of the home. You're the culture setter in the home. She is a product of the environment. She's a product of the culture that you've set in your home. She is a product of your husbandry. And I'm like, oh, shoot. And stopped me in my tracks. And then he said, what kind of a wife do you want? And I'm like, oh, 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 oh wow. Oh, well, you're sneaky. Oh, wow, okay, uh, a do-over. All right, um, all right. Uh, I want a prince. And he's like, he wasn't thinking do-over. He just said, well, when was the last time you called a princess? I said, well, when she starts behaving like, then I'll... And he's like, that's not how it works. And he says, what did I do with Adam? I said, well, you put him asleep under a tree and you, he goes, no, no, no. He says, when I put him asleep, before I pulled out a rib, before I even put him asleep, I said, it's not good that man should be alone. Then I brought all the animals to him to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called those animals, that's the nature they took on. That's what they became. When he called it lion, it became lion. When he called it giraffe, it became giraffe. Whatever Adam called them, the Bible says, that's what they became. So I said, it wasn't good for man to be alone. But I didn't immediately give him a helper. Because before I could trust him with a bride, I needed to teach him the power of his mouth. He says, so I, I, I brought all the animals to Adam. And he said, Jürgen, I've watched you. And then he just literally, literally just showed me like a checklist and I was a little bit embarrassing because he had to keep flipping the pages of all the negative, all the sarcastic, all the belittling, all the cutting, all the nasty things that I'd been saying. And then I realized that I, and I, I remember you've probably heard the story, I come back and I look through the window and there is my beautiful, but her hair's a little disheveled and the spark and she was always mischievous i know she looks innocent and holy on the front row but she is like the naughty in our church isn't it? it's her and uh she was tipping over pot plants before i even met her little 
She was very, very naughty. Potted plants, excuse me, potted plants. She was tipping over potted plants. Probably, she was smoking the pot plants, but tipping over the, no, she wasn't, no, she wasn't. But, uh, but it, was all, it, was all, it was all gone. It was all gone. And then I realized I had neglected, I had abdicated my responsibility. So I knew that I needed to recreate a culture. And so I apologized to her and I promised her. And I had such an encounter with God that I promise you that, and Leanne more than likely, I can't vouch, but more than likely would say that there was a line drawn in the sand where from that time on, my words became words of life. My words became, you are beautiful. You are stunning. You are a princess. You are, you, you is smart. You is kind. You is impotent. You know, sorry, it's from a movie. But, it, but watch this. As, as, as God's word went forth, the lights came on and I could see. So all I needed to do, watch this, was get an atmosphere where the Holy Spirit was able to move in our home where he has free reign. You can grieve the Holy Spirit by resisting him. You can grieve the Holy Spirit by rejecting him. But let the Holy Spirit do deep dives in your life. Let the Holy Spirit do deep dives in your heart. God hasn't given you a spirit of fear. And yet so many times what kills great cultures is we let a spirit of fear come. Fear of control, fear of loss, fear of... And, and, and then all of a sudden we become controlling. And so the Holy Spirit, just He just steps back and says, Well, I haven't given you that spirit, but you're obviously wanting to default to that. So... I'll just stand here and hopefully after a while you'll see that you don't like the fruit of that, that you're hemorrhaging leaders, you're losing people because you're, you're manipulating, you're controlling, you're fudging, you're, you know, get rid of a spirit of fear. So everything turned to custard in the garden because the serpent came in and he starts questioning the word of God. The Holy Spirit is partnering with the word of God. The serpent, Satan comes in and starts questioning the Word of God. We know that everything flourishes where the Holy Spirit and the Word go together. The Holy Spirit and the Word goes together. Two days ago, I'm, I'm uh, reading in uh, the book of Joshua, Joshua chapter 6, where they come to Jericho. And Jericho was securely shut up. The Bible says Jericho was tightly shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out, none came in. Jericho was tightly shut up. It was a compound. It was secure. Because just before I take territory, the enemy conspires and the enemy fortifies and the enemy strengthens his stronghold just before it all comes down. And then the Bible says that God says to Joshua, uh, get all ye men of war. And he says, but put the priests with the trumpets. And for six days have the priests go around the walls with the men of war. But the men of war are not to speak. The men of war are to be silent. Nobody is to speak a word. But, and I never saw this before, but the priests were blowing the trumpets. Every day the priests were blowing the trumpets. The anointed of God were blowing trumpets. Trumpets is always freedom. Trumpet is battle. Trumpet is victory. Trumpet is jubilee. But the people weren't speaking. And God said, this is what's happening right now. Right now, the prophets are blowing the trumpets. The prophets are marching around what looks impregnable, what looks like, no, no, they fortify themselves in this deception. They fortify themselves. It's, it's President Ale, he's the 46th. It's, it, the, the, but the prophets are blowing the trumpets under the Spirit of God. 
even though right now there's no commentary from us, it's not our place to speak right now. But the time's going to come very, very shortly where we go into that seventh day where it's the seventh, it's the God season. Six is the number of man. Their, their, their ability to hide and their ability to protect and their ability to fortify their lies and their deception is coming to an end. There's a seventh day, and on the seventh time, on the seventh day, then the people are going to have a shout and the walls are going to come down. I felt the Spirit of God show me that. So we're coming into that day. So, so, so you know, did the prophets get it wrong? No, they, they need to keep prophesying. They're blowing the trumpets and day one, well, I didn't see any cracks in the wall. Day two, they're blowing the trumpets. No cracks in the wall. Day one, three, CNN's down there. Yeah, they're blowing the trumpets. Do you see any cracks? Yeah. Joshua, like day four, same thing. Day five, same thing. Day six, same thing. Day seven, still nothing. First time around. Second time around. But on the seventh time, on the seventh time. Come on, there's, there's a persistence that's happening. All right, come with me to, to the book of Luke chapter, chapter 16. Um, I want to talk a little bit about, about thriving. As you come into a culture where the Spirit of God and the Word of God moves, where, where, where we deal with the serpent, culture is as much about what you don't allow and what you weed out. As, as what you what you do prioritize, highlight, and champion. And so there are things that we want to weed out. But in, in Luke chapter 16, there's a magnificent story of an unjust steward. And this this can, on first reading, this can kind of uh, mess you up a little bit because you're thinking, hang on, is Jesus kind of justifying? But let, let, let's read it. It says, uh, 16 verse 1, it says, He also said to his disciples, there was a certain rich man who had a steward, who had a manager. And an accusation was brought to the rich man about his, manas, about his manager who was waste, excuse me, wasting his goods. So he called him and said to him, what is this that I hear about you? Give an account of your management, your stewardship, for you can no longer be steward. In other words, the accountants come up and says, man, there's a whole bunch of discrepancies here. You know, he's been hiring villas down in Casablanca, Mexico. You know, he's, uh, you know driving flash cars and having fancy dinners and putting it all on the company and and you put in a swimming pool and the company paid for it and so the master says well listen man it's this is a fireable offense you're, you're gone then the steward said within himself what shall i do for my master is taking the stewardship away from me i cannot dig and i'm ashamed to beg i have resolved what to do that when I am put out of the stewardship, that they may receive me into their houses. So he called every one of his master's debtors to him. And he said to the first, how much do you owe my master? And he said, a hundred measures of oil. So he said to him, take your bill, sit down quickly and write 50. Then he said to another, how much do you owe? And he said, a hundred measures of wheat. And he said to him, take your bill and write 80. So the master commended, so the master commended. So the master commended the unjust steward because he had dealt shrewdly. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. And I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon so that when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. Now I want you to just underline that because I'm, I'm going to explain it in a second. I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon, so that when you fail, they may receive you in an everlasting home. He is faithful and is faithfully much. So watch this, watch this. 
So there's a, there's a mindset out there that you should not sow towards your future. That there's, uh, that there's, there's churches that teach that, that you should give and not expect anything in return. That somehow it, it's sinful for you to, to sow believing for breakthrough, believing that that is somehow so carnal. That is just what awakened church, the prosperity gospel church. But here, Jesus commends this man because he says, how much do you owe my master? And he says, well, I owe a hundred. And he says, right, take, let's cut that bill in half and make it 50. Oh my gosh, thank you so much. It's going to help our bottom line. How much do you owe a hundred? Make it 80. And Jesus says, the master commended the unjust steward. Now, I don't know whether he paid the other 50 or whether it was just written off from company losses. But either way, this man knew that I'm about to enter into a dark season. I'm about to enter into a difficult season. And for me to pad, for me to set up the difficult season, I need to, from where I am right now, sow into that season financially so that when I go there, they may receive me into everlasting houses. And Jesus says, how sad that the sons of darkness are more shrewd with, with financial things than the sons of light. One of the areas that you will thrive in awaken church is in the area of your finances one of the because we will teach you unafraid and unashamed what the spirit of God and what the word of God teaches about prosperity about increase about abundance about sowing into a day not yet do you know um the, the person who who sows a seed believes in tomorrow the person who sows a seed in the soil is a person that must believe in tomorrow. Warren Buffett from Nebraska, Omaha, said this. He says, you enjoy the shade of a tree because somebody many, many years ago planted a seed. You enjoy the shade of a tree because many, many years ago somebody planted a seed. The reason the devil wants to discourage sowing is because he knows that hope is linked to tomorrow. The definition of hope is that tomorrow is going to be better than today. Every farmer sows in hope. When I sow a seed, it's, 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 my heart is already connected to an expectation that tomorrow harvest is coming. Tomorrow breakthrough is coming. The devil is a liar. He knows that he can rob hope. He can fill a church. He can fill a people with hopelessness. He can steal hope. He can steal faith. He can steal expectancy by getting us to believe some pathetic lie that we should never give expecting to receive a harvest. The Bible says in John 3, 16, For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son. Why did God give His only begotten Son? Because He was believing that if He gave His very, very best, if He gave His best seed, He would have an optimum harvest. He didn't give an angel so that just a few million people got saved. He gave, the, he gave His only begotten, He gave the best that He had so He could get the very, very best harvest. He could get an optimum harvest of billions of sons. If God, if God gives expecting to receive back, how much more should you and I? How much more should you and I? Alex and Tanae Clyde have a testimony that, 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 that after several failed attempts at trying to get a home, trying to secure a property for themselves, 
We don't have enough for down payment and deposit. We may as well give in the 2020 breakthrough offering last year. And they gave, not realizing they were setting something in motion. They gave. They put a seed in the ground. Last Thursday, they got the keys to their home that they bought $70,000 under market value that wasn't even put on the market because it would have got snapped up. It was a private deal that God set up for them. In this house, your, your relationships will thrive. Relationships thrive. When, when you come into this house, you, the, you, the, 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 the junk, the dysfunction, the brokenness, all of that kind of stuff, we'll deal with it. Men thrive in this house. Right now, right now, and you've heard it said that, you know, the future is female. The future is female. You, you will find that there are, there are, there are uh, cycles in history. And the cycles in history move from a patriarchy, patriarchy padre father, where men lead. Because the men lead, there's strength, there's protection for the tribe, there's protection for the people. Because of that protection and that strength, the, 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 the land flourishes and prospers. In the prosperity, we get, we get comfortable, we turn to pleasure. We go from stoic, principle, strength, to Epicurean, where we, where we become pleasure-led. In the pleasure-led, we let the women lead, and it becomes matriarchal. It becomes soft. It becomes weak. The men become weak. The men become, and then a stronger enemy comes in and plunders the land. That's, that's why the enemy is trying to say the future is female, because he's trying to move us away from strength into a matriarchal society. And the problem with the matriarchal society is, and Pastor Leanne preached on this, is that when a woman has to step into the office or the role of a man, she literally begins to secrete more testosterone. As she secretes more testosterone, she becomes less feminine and more masculine because she's occupying a role. She's bearing a burden and a weight she's not meant to bear. So we're determined that when men come in here, we're going to smash the spirit of pornography we're going to smash the grip of the enemy that, that, that binds them, that chokes them, that, 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 that destroys their, their potential, potent potential, and makes them impotent. We're going to, robbing them of their creative, robbing them of their generation, robbing them of their fruitfulness. And we're going to raise them up into warriors, men who fight for their marriages, men who fight for their families, men who know how to lead. You know, yesterday at men's prayer, a man gets up who played a significant role in hero. In fact, his abs were on display. And if you look at him with his abs and his, his chiseled physique, you would say there's the, you know, there's the ultimate man. That's to, to live up for. But he shares a testimony of infidelity of brokenness, of affairs, of, and he says, everything changed when Keith Craft said you to go home and you'd ask your wife two questions. You'd get down on, on, your, on a knee and you'd ask your wife, do you feel, not do you know, do you feel deeply loved by me? And then the second question, do you feel honored by me? And he said he's driving home from emerging. He knows the answer. And he knows he's, he's not going to like what he's going to hear. He says, but that was the game changer. And so we don't just see a man with abs on a stage. We see a man who goes home and pays the hard, hard cost of repentance, taking it on the chin 
and does the fighting necessary for him to be the man that her husband thought she was getting. We want men to flourish. We want women to flourish. And the way that women flourish is when they are cherished. We want our kids to flourish. We want our youth to flourish. We want our young adults to flourish. We want our college ministry to flourish. We have to build an atmosphere. We have to create an environment where the Spirit of God is present, where the Word of God is preached, where the prophetic flows, where the gifts flow. Come on, somebody. Where where people can flourish. All right. I'm out of time. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you right now, Lord God, for a thriving culture. Turn your palms towards heaven. Father, I thank you right now for the presence of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for your presence and your power in this house, in this place. Father, we want to flourish. So, Father, right now, we, we, we weed out of our lives anything that is a spirit that contradicts the Spirit of God. We don't want you. Spirit of fear, spirit of anxiety, spirit of depression, get out in Jesus' name. Spirit of lust, spirit of anger, get out in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for the spirit of the living God. Spirit of the living God. And Father, we also thank you for the word of God. We, 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 we elevate above all things your word. Jesus, you said three times, it is written. It is written. It is written. The highest voice in the land, the highest narrative in the land is the word of God. Jesus says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word endureth forever. Father, we want to be not just a spirit church, but also a word church. We want people to come into this place and be refreshed by the Holy Spirit, be touched by the Holy Spirit, be invigorated and empowered by the Holy Spirit, and then have the word on the inside of them changing, bringing light, bringing life, bringing strength, bringing hope. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.